Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Welcome. I'm the senior pastor. For those of you who are joining us today, welcome, welcome. Ann and I, uh, Pastor Ann and I, had an opportunity a few years ago to go to Wales during uh, an outbreak of the move of God, which has continued to this day and has been very productive, and eight churches have been born out of it. They had something like 90,000 people go through their doors in six months. Uh, many, uh, it just turned Wales around once again. And there were prophecies uh, in 1907 to four, 13, I think the last one came in 13, where they said when 100 years that God was going to move again, there was going to be a, a big revival. And of course, this was 100 years later and in Wales. For those of you who are little church historians, uh, that uh, the revival happened in Wales in 1904, the first time. And we were able to visit that site at Mariah Chapel in Wales. And there was this great... Uh, edifice <laughs> that was put up, a cement piece that was a monument to what had happened there. And it said that ordinary people God used in an extraordinary fashion, just as they submitted and yielded to the Holy Spirit. So when we see, well, who's that guy in the church and why did they have something to say? In Wales, it was just ordinary people. It started out with a very humble man who went forward and he was kneeling in prayer at the altar in Mariah Chapel. And, and a few ladies stood up and Four, they called them afterwards the singing sisters. There were four of them, and they would go around, and they would sing, and the Holy Spirit would move. And this man fell on his face before God, and all of a sudden just everybody started to, to move with the Spirit of God. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. A 14-year-old girl uh, by the name of Florence, I believe, uh, stood up and prophesied. A 14-year-old girl. So it wasn't age-dependent either. And when this second revival uh, happened, it wasn't in the biggest church in Wales. It is a big church now, <laughs> but it wasn't then. There were 67 people in attendance on a Wednesday night Bible study. And they were doing things like they had always done before, praying for people like they'd always done many times. The pastor had prayed for this one gentleman who had been in a car accident 10 years previous and had since that time been in a wheelchair. And in Wales, they didn't have fancy wheelchairs like we have here. It was one of these old steel things, or really heavy ones. And that's what he was in. And he was a bigger fella. And, and he'd gone and prayed for him like he had many times before and walked away and carried on praying for others. And all of a sudden, there's this yelling and screaming. And this man of 67 had gotten up and picked up this heavy wheelchair was carrying it around over his head and running around the church. You could understand that then things didn't go and Bible study wasn't over at the normal time. <laughs> didn't go that way. We think about revival and we had this time set. Well, as long as God does it between, you know, before I have lunch and before it's dinner. And, and, and we have this timing aspect because we become people who drive through our meals, we drive through dry cleaning, we can drive through, and if you are a beer drinker, people drive through and pick up beer. Uh, everything you can get, drive through banking, drive through, and now everything can practically be done on a cell phone. 
we are people of speed and we complain vehemently when things don't happen quite as quickly. I have noticed because I got blessed with the Surface Pro how much quicker it is than my laptop. My laptop had a had a an update. There was a Windows update. It took two and a half hours on my laptop. It took thirty five minutes. Things are speedy. My cell phone works even faster. Everybody understand what I mean? We come to church. We want things to go quickly. We want it to move fast. We want to be over so we can get on with the next part of our life and and not ever comprehending this is our life. When you pray for revival, pray for waking up a people, just what exactly are we expecting when we say that? And I believe our expectations need to be adjusted. God might have us be here a while longer. My word, what if church lasted for three hours? What if we just had such a good time together and no one wanted to leave? You know, they lined up. We had to line up to get in that church in Wales. We lined up for an hour and church hadn't even started. We got there a bit late the first time and we weren't there. We were there before the church started, but not soon enough to get inside the building. People lined up to get inside. Interesting. Yeah, wonderful. Kind of exciting. We wanted to see what was going on inside. And, and just the whole country was responding to the Spirit of God. We are standing in a time when we need to be responding to the Spirit of God. When we look around the world and we see what's happening. But there are some great things that God wants to deposit in our heart and get us prepared for. I don't believe we're really very well prepared people. We've gone through a period of time as a church where we got to know the presence, and that's wonderful. We've got to say, hey, I'm beginning to understand the Lord's presence. But it's not the only thing. In the middle of this, we must learn in his presence the dominion and authority and get comfortable with those kinds of words. We're not just having a good time in his presence. That's wonderful. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what's in your hand? What has God given you that you've put on the shelf and made look pretty? Occupying till he comes means doing business with what God's given you. We saw some people doing business with what God gave them today. Amen? Amen. Do business, but not just inside the church, outside the church. It's really been on my heart. I started uh, praying about this about a month ago. There hadn't been a disaster yet in, in Houston. Certainly, we didn't know about the hurricanes. Didn't know about them. But God put this message on my heart to prepare you, to get us ready, to be people who will stand and understand our authority in Jesus Christ. People who are not afraid, people who don't blow over when the winds blow. And that's what kept coming to me. The spirit of the Lord just really put on my heart, teach these people to take their mountains and make them molehills, to prepare you. We cannot be the weak ones. We are the ones who have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living inside of us. Why are we keeling over when the wind blows? And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is asleep in most of our boats. You know, Jesus walked on the water. You know the story about the winds blowing and Jesus asleep in the boat. Well, now he's living here and in most believers' life, we're so glad we got him inside. Praise Jesus, we have our ticket to heaven. We can just sit back, roll through until Jesus comes and collects us or we die. And that's the way. No, that's not the way. Amen? Amen. 
We've got to wake up that spirit of God within you. Get up. Get up. Amen. Yeah. Would you turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 13. One of these days, we're going to get it that it's no big deal. Amen? Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Verse 11. Do you know what time it is? Amen. (laughs) Do you know what time it is? says verse 11 and that knowing the time that means it's possible and we should jesus they said oh well he never rebuked anybody but he certainly rebuked the pharisees they were supposed to know what time it was they said you can tell when it's going to rain you can tell when a storm is coming but you don't know the time of jesus christ Mm-hmm. we're supposed to be aware if the holy spirit is inside of us we ought to know what time it is Amen. It says knowing the time that now it's high time to wake up. I like that. It's just a short version of that verse. Wake up out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe the nights far spent the days at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. These are the things that we need to learn to walk in. We need to learn to walk in the armor of light. We need to walk like the believers, like the kingdom people that God has destined us and made us to be. And that means it's time Jesus woke up out of your boat. No more snoring. No more snoring during the sermon. Understand some of you are stressful. You find the presence of God wonderful and very peaceful. And <laughs> but this is not the time. Amen? It's time to say, hello, are you awake in there? Amen. Out of your belly shall flow rivers, livers. Yeah, your liver's in there too. Rivers of living water. Water that's alive. People who are alive make sound. (laughs) You ever notice dead people don't talk? If they do, there's a problem. If you're a believer and the living God is inside of you, you should have something to say. Amen. 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 There should be something coming out of our mouths. The nights far spent, the days at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. No more playing on the other side. We can't have one side in the world. And one side in the kingdom, wishing and looking back and saying, gosh, you know, I had it better over there. They don't have it as bad as we do. Gosh, you know what? I know some friends. They're nice people. Everything's working out for them. Oh, yeah? Not so much. Not so much. I know people on the other side. And when things go bad, they have no one to turn to. Where do they go when they're in pain? They pay expensive counselors who can only counsel them out of the knowledge of men. And he can get them by for a little while. But it's not the miracle they need. It's not the miracle they need. Would you turn with me, please, again? Uh, get your Bibles all, all ready because we're going to rock and roll with them today. We need to be people who love our Bibles. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to learn to live. 
And as we learn to live, mountains will become molehills in our life. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse two says that ye be not soon shaken in your mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor letter as a day of Christ is at hand. Isn't that saying the same thing? It's a timing thing. But there's two very critical points in there. There's two things that God is calling you to. One, be not shaken in your mind. And two, don't be troubled. They're different. They're different things. How many people know what it is to be in trouble? All right. So the rest of you who didn't put up your hand <laughs> will soon find out. <laughs> I'm sure there's people in Florida who are thinking, we in trouble. People in Houston, they in trouble. This week on the news, I think it was a global, around a 5 o'clock setting. I don't remember which day. This lady said this thing. She said, how many people do you know that if their paycheck was one week late, they'd be okay? And I thought, interesting question. And not use any debt. And not delay any payments. That's the state of our country in Canada. They said that number was way too small. That's dangerous living. That's not the life of a believer. You think God's not a planner? He'd been planning for thousands of years. How many thousand did he plan before Jesus came? How many times did he lay out and promise to us that Jesus was coming? And then he did. He came just like he planned. Just like he planned. Just like he planned. Folks, Think about those people in Houston. There's no place to go to work. Right? There's no paycheck if you don't go to work. All the stores are blown down. The places that they, that they have their businesses are not there. Or they're flooded still. Most of the waters have receded now. There's no job to go to. If there's no job, there's no paycheck. There were floods in Ontario. There's been terrible flooding in India. There's been fires that are unbelievable in California. Biggest fire they've ever had in history. Biggest fire we've ever had in history in BC. Fire in Alberta. Stuff's going on. Would you be okay if your paycheck was delayed for a week? By the end of this three sessions, if you haven't been, you will be. Amen? We're going to learn that part of living is having a plan, is using what we got, and then knowing what we do have isn't everything. Amen? If you will begin to see that what you have in front of you is okay, are you okay if your car doesn't work? Can you still walk? If you can't walk, can you ride? If you can't walk, can you have someone carry you? Will you be okay? Troubles come, but they go. They come in seasons. Seasons end. Spring, winter, fall, summer. They end. There are seasons that are very difficult. It's not the first time historically there's been a flood. <laughs> Amen? That's not the first time there's been a big bad fire either. <laughs> there were fire and hell and, and, 
giant hail in Sodom and Gomorrah. Terrible fire. Not the first time of a flood. God knows how to resurrect, save, keep his people. He knows how to do it. When, you know, it's not wrong to have things, but when things have you, there's a greater trouble possibility. I heard one of the pastor friends we have in Houston saying, you have your life. You have your life. Yes, you've lost things, but you have your life. And these things, it's coming to the place where we realize, what do we have? What is in our hand? When you realize that what's in your hand is Jesus Christ and the gifts he's given you, and what are you doing with them? Suddenly things begin to adjust, and trouble doesn't have the ability to bug you like it did before. Now, being shaken in the mind is, is obviously where we're at today. When I look at the stance, and I've taken my, my training in counseling and, and, and in uh, psychology, and I can tell you that the day that we live in, even from when I was in college, which was a few years ago, <laughs> just a couple, just a couple. But I, I keep up on studies. I look at statistics occasionally. The day that we live in, there are more people clinically depressed than at any other time. We're being shaken in our minds. How is this so? I believe part of it is the reason is this. Because we've looked at acceptance as a blanket. And when you look at acceptance, and acceptance becomes this big demand, and it's all under the PC shadow. We want to be politically correct, so we want to accept as a blanket of everything. In that acceptance, we lower our standard, and we have to sort of put aside holiness. We put aside our belief systems, because anytime you're acceptance, you have to go to the lowest common value to have acceptance. And as soon as you stoop that low, you lose something. Instead of saying, come up higher. Come up here, you can do it. Come up here and live. Come up here and walk with me. It's infiltrated our school systems. Absolutely. We'll just move along. and We don't want to leave anyone behind. Pick them up and take them with you. In doing this, we've lost the place inside where we're steady in our minds. Because as soon as we move down to the wrong kind of acceptance, there is a right kind, but there's a wrong kind. We don't accept everything because it's politically correct. We don't accept everything because it's polite. We are accepted in the beloved. What more do we need than God's acceptance? God loves us. He accepts us. He woos us and calls us into his beloved place. That's what it tells me. That's what it tells me. I'm accepted in the beloved in Ephesians chapter 1. Are you accepted or not? If I'm accepted by God, that's a great standard. He pulls me and calls me up to a high and holy standard, which I could not live by myself, and neither can any of you. But when he lives inside of me and his Holy Ghost lives inside me, he can bring me up hither. He can call me into his standard. I'm accepted by God, and I'm not afraid. Do you see that when you have acceptance from your heavenly father, it makes you unshakable in other places? I know I'm accepted by God. Who cares what men think? They're going to die. 
right? What if they move out of the city and they were the only person you knew who accepted you? And your whole acceptance is based on the person sitting next to you. It can't be. No wonder we're unstable. We get shaken when we have the wrong mind thoughts. We have to have God's thoughts going on in here. The Bible tells us we have the mind of Christ, just many of us aren't using it. It says we only use 10% of our brain, and that's not the part he's in. <laughs> my, my, let's tap into the mind of Christ. We don't want to be shaken in our mind. Troubles come and go. Often felt in the gut, aren't they? Whoa! <laughs> Thank goodness that's not in our head. We must be protecting our mind and disciplined ourselves to think like kingdom people. The key in disciplining our mind is consistency. God calls us to be consistent in what we do. Do the same thing. Do it. Just do it. Just obey God. It's not really that hard, is it? Obey. Well, yeah, because I have to do things I don't always like. Mm. Hello. Absolutely. In Hebrews chapter 5, it says that Jesus himself, Jesus himself, learned obedience through suffering. But he was God. Yes. And when he walked on the earth, how did he walk? As a man. And he didn't get to do what he was wa- wanted to do, even though he was God, right? He was God, but when he came to the earth, he operated in, as a man and demonstration for every one of us. And what does it say that Jesus did? He said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father do. Did he get to do what he wanted to do? Do you think he really wanted to be beaten so that he was turned to hamburger and then go and suffer on the cross? No, but he did it because his father said to. He learned obedience. He learned obedience and demonstrated obedience. Here's the great part about it. If Jesus obeyed and he won the war between obeying and disobeying and he lives in you, do you think you could win the war too? Mm-hmm. When we think about I can do all things through who? Right. So if he learned to obey and that strength is in you and me, we can obey even when we don't like it. Right? I don't always like to obey. You know, goodness gracious, it's an inconvenient sometimes. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. We've got to be changing. What is coming? What is coming? When you look up and you think, my goodness, what's coming? What do I need to be prepared for? You know, when we were in, I, I was growing up, I went to brownies, and then I went to guides, and then I became a brown owl eventually. But then I learned that lots of that was weird. I always thought it was kind of weird as a kid, you know, bowing down and doing things to an owl was kind of weird. 
and and then I discovered, you know, I went in the closet to help set up one day. You know, they always had the stuff in the back room, and you're setting up the room for the, and there's the Cubs wolf head on a stick. I always thought that was kind of weird as a kid. I, it scared me. Sometimes the things we do with our kids in trying to train them, we should have a, you know, a few more thoughts and wonder why we get shaken in the mind. And there's a wolf head on a stick in the cupboard, you know. <laughs> Praise Jesus. What's coming? Not the wolf head on a stick. Amen. <laughs> we got to learn to be the right kind of seers. And uh, let's go for a little bit further down in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 8 says, uh, that wicked is going to come and he's going to be revealed. That Antichrist one. He will be revealed. It's not yet, but it will come. Eventually, you know, it's going to happen. Jesus was promised to come to the earth. And he came. It was promised he'd die on the cross. And he did. It was promised that he would be resurrected. And he was. Now he's where? In heaven. Did it say he would come again? Do you think it's true? Every other promise came to pass, right? If he says there's coming an antichrist, guess what? It's coming. Mm. Yeah. That's why you got to be prepared. That's why we got to be strong and not shaken. Well, we come. So what? No big deal. So what? There's a devil. So what? You don't know how bad my problem is. You don't know what I've been through. It wouldn't do any good to tell you. Why do I say that? No one ever believes it. I don't believe that could, oh, it wasn't that bad for you. That's because you didn't live inside of me. You don't know the emotions. I don't know yours. Frankly, um, I think that's okay. (laughs) You don't want to know what I go through. I don't want to really know what you go through. Let's just go through. Amen? Go through. And then laugh at the devil when we're done. Oh, that's what dominion starts to sound like. Whoa, he gave you dominion. Amen? Praise Jesus. The wicked's going to be revealed. Don't freak out. 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth. See, no worries. Amen? He says he's going to come with power signs and lying wonders. Don't freak out. There'll be weird stuff go down. There'll be people who have false gifts and they won't necessarily be the ones that advertise that they have false gifts. You know, it's not the fortune teller on the corner that you have to worry about. When you learn your authority, and we've had a few times like this, we've walked over and, you know, they, had, they were advertising their little or crazy mo- things at the Guilford Mall and they were going to have all these... Folks come with all their booths set up, and you can go and have your palms read. Well, don't. I'm not advocating that. But all those people who are paying money to know their future, I could tell them for free. <laughs> I've got them walked around and prayed and watched them, like, I, literally shut up their booths and go away for a while and take a coffee break because it wasn't working. They're little devils. They have no power. They don't, and, and frankly, they usually know when you're a Christian. We don't know them so well as they know us, and it ought not be so. The one with the false gifts don't come with a sign. They're just lying works. We're not going to be deceived. Just because there's power doesn't make it God, amen? 
if you have to pay for it. That's a good sign it's weird. Amen? And when it gets too spooky, you know, God's not spooky. He's holy, and we used to, you know, the phrase when I was growing up, we used to say Holy Ghost, but that freaks some people out, so we say Holy Spirit. Because if you use the word ghost, they're thinking like some crazy movie off a TV. (sighs) You'll be okay. Keep breathing. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Say ghost, and they're all freaking out and thinking there's going to something. What are they going to do at church? They got that ghost thing going on. No. No. Grab your head, give it a shake, and say no. You know, verse 10 says, with all deceivableness of unrighteous in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. There are some people who will reject God all the way. And I'm real sorry about that. And, and so for any person who says, well, you know, God is not willing that any should perish. He's really hoping they all come. But there's going to be some obstinate ones who will reject him all the way. Let's pray that it's just a very small number. Amen. And let's do our best to grab a hold of all the ones that aren't crazy and, and share Jesus with them and make sure they come with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. But don't, don't spend all your time in the crazy ones. Let's look at 1 Timothy 4. We want to see what's coming. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. Why? They gave heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. These things are just as true as Jesus going to the cross. I'm not saying this so you'll be afraid. Don't be shaken in your mind. I'm saying, wake up. Stuff goes wrong. And and I understand there's storms. I understand there's fires. I understand all of this, but this is of higher importance. These are the things that shake us at our core because we weren't ready. If these things won't shake us, the wind blowing no matter how hard won't either. Amen? Wake up. There's crazy people out there. And they want to take you away and give you all kinds of excuses to not trust God, to not believe him. And you see, when they can get their stinking seed rooted in your heart, then when a storm does come, you can be shaken. Do you understand? So we know that in the last days, seducing spirits come. Don't trust any of God's people. They're different. Well, I hope so. I'm just visiting. I'm an alien. (laughs) So are you if you're safe. It's not my home. Heaven is my home. Right? So there's people out there sowing seeds to try and get you not to trust. To get you off. To never trust the Lord your God. And it all happens. You know, I I don't have the stats on how many Christians there are in the world. But there's one and he went crazy and everybody goes, they're all nuts. Because that's what the media does, right? We always know about the one who's gone off. But never about the millions who are standing strong. What's about that? What's about that? That's just the way things are. So don't be shaken. Don't be worried. There's, even in Elijah's time, there were 7,000 that didn't bow their knee. And, and we're living in a time where there's many. There's many who won't bow. Many with Jesus awake in their bones. 
Amen? Don't worry about it. Stuff happens. Stuff comes. They, the only reason seducing spirits have power is because they listened. Giving heed means listening. Faith comes by If you're hearing the crazy voice, crazy voice gets in your heart. Hmm. That's how it gets in there. And then when that nutty business is inside of you, it shakes you. Well, how could that nutty business get inside? Because you listened. You gave heed. You thought about it. Let me say this. In Matthew, one of the other scriptures that Lanny's been speaking about, It talks about us. It says one of the questions it asks is, can any man by thinking add an inch to his stature? English version. Can you get taller by thinking about it? No. That's right. (laughs) Well, you could pray about it. Yes, amen. (laughs) We know someone who did that, didn't they? Praise the Lord. So you could get taller by praying about it. But you can't get taller by thinking about it all day long. Do you honestly believe that if you thought about everything wrong all day long, you could fix it? That's right. But how do we control our thinking? That's right. That's right. The Bible tells us we can take every thought captive into the obedience. Into the obedience of Christ. So really the trouble with hearing is an obedience problem. Right at the root of things, we've got this little rebellious thing going on that wants to think what we want to think. And, and we have all this encouragement. Just think on the word. We have plaques on it. We have it on our mugs. We have it on our posters. It's all over Facebook and Instagram and every other gram. And then there's things everywhere. Think like this. Meditate on this. La, la, la. All these nice little sayings. And we all go, meh, 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 meh. Nobody really thinks on it. A few people actually pray when they say they are. Thinking about you. Here's the other one. And somebody cries out in Facebook for prayer. My thoughts are with you. (laughs) What would you say to that? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My thoughts are with you. Sometimes we say things, try to be kind and merciful, and we really need to say, get up! (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's what Jesus said. How is it that you have no faith? Why aren't you speaking to that storm? I was sharing with a few people. When I was growing up, people used to pray. When the the storm come, they get down their knees. They humbly pray for God to jump over their farm. But if we can be, and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I just, it's just a polite observation. that We don't really have a lot of faith for storms. But our lack of faith for storms is really our obedience in taking every thought captive. There was a time in in the Bible, in the Old Testament, 
where it said, and it came to a place where every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And it did not go very well. Doing right in your own eyes is trouble. That's how you spell trouble. Doing that which was right in your own eyes, from your own perspective. Well, I've always done it this way before, and it makes me feel comfortable, Pastor. And I like it. Good, at least you know why it's happening. (laughs) Amen. Be blessed. Or decide today. One of the greatest strengths in recognizing and keeping your mind from being shaken is a decision. The day that you decided to believe Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior was the best decision you ever made in your life. And the next day when you wake up and you decide you want to know him, that's the next best decision. The day after that, you decide if I'm going to know him, I need to read about him. And he is this word. And as you begin to fall in love with the Jesus who gave his life for you, it will begin to stabilize you right at your core being. Amen. Amen. And you begin to read his word on a daily basis. This is the beginning of calming your mind. This is the beginning of great decisions. And you decide to get up just five more minutes earlier because you're going to read some scriptures. And your mind's not really awake yet, but you decide to do it anyway. Those are great decisions. And you decide that this means more than anything else. You see, when we talk about obedience, we also have come to a place as a body of Christ where very few actually read their Bibles anymore. And I don't necessarily mean just paper. You can read it on your cell phones, but please read it. Read it every day. It's where stability comes from. If you're going to have the mind of Christ, at least give it an opportunity to be revelation in your life by reading it. Amen? So these things will bring and begin that stable walk in your life. You begin to put the word of God in like never before. It begins to take new meaning. Then when something occurs that's outside of the parameters of the word of God, you will know it. I've shared this before, but it's so powerful. Many years ago, before I was married, I worked at the Bank of Montreal at the corner of, of Broadway and Maine. Does anybody know where that is in Vancouver? It was a bank that was on the corner. It had a lot of troubles, that particular bank. And I was the head teller. And, and before I got married, I discovered that I was actually, uh, I had a very bad skin allergy at that time. and was very allergic to money, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I know. And, and we counted money by hand. So that wasn't yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> and I would count it. And, and when I counted the bills, you kind of bent them a little bit. And I just used the tips of my my pointer finger and my thumb. And I had the rest of my hands, because they would go raw from the money, covered in in, uh, uh, cloths and and taped up. Because I was also allergic to plastic, so I couldn't wear gloves, plastic gloves. So I had just the fingertips showing. And I'd go, I was just as fast. For a long time, those first machines that came in, I was just as fast as those machines. I don't think I could do it now, but at that time. 
And everybody knows I was married for 36 years just recently. So, <laughs> so it was a couple years ago. And uh, so I was, I was counting money. And my fingers got so used to the real that even in a bundle of 20s, and just the tips of my fingers touching it, I could pull out a counterfeit. I could feel it. It felt different. I'm sure with the plastic money, this case is different now. Oh, okay, there you go. But I could feel the counterfeit so easily because I knew the real. Because I knew the real. You won't know the real for yourself if you don't read the Bible. And embrace it as the truth. When it's foremost and it's your foundation, it's, it becomes solid. And when it becomes routine in your life, not because of routine, but because of love, a love routine. I love God. I want to know more about him. I love God. I want to know more about him. And you read because of love, not out of law. Hear me. It will open up to you and become the greatest stabilizer in your life. But you need to do it on a regular basis. Just like in a relationship, you don't just say, hey, and visit your spouse once in a while. You don't have a two-minute conversation with him. You enjoy the presence. You enjoy reading it. And that constant, that constant part of it, that doing it every day, like that's the cement in your foundation. It's the doing it every day. That's the cement part. That's the cement part that holds you. It holds all the bricks together so that when you've got this piece of scripture over here, he'll never leave me or forsake me. And then you've got another scripture over here. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. And you've got another scripture over here, First John um, 2, or 3 John 2 that you're always quoting. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So you've got those three scriptures, but you don't think about them all the time. But your consistency, when you do the same thing every day, it's the cement and it holds them together. Your consistency with God, your consistency in relationship, your consistency in pursuing his presence, all these things will cement together all the pieces. And pretty soon, you're going to have a great solid structure that won't be moved. And when you have something to think about, you'll think about that. And can you change what you're thinking? Well, apparently, that's how you cast down imaginations. The verse says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, how can you cast down what you do not know? You cannot. You cannot. So you have to have some knowledge of God in order to take the thought captive. Taking captive every thought. Taking captive every thought. This is not something the pastor or any of our leadership can do for you. You have to do it for yourself. Why would we do such a thing? So important. And this is a three-part message that I've done, so you're not getting it all today. But I hope that you'll get parts two and three next week. But turn with me now to 2 Corinthians and chapter 2. 
I love it when everything works together according to the will of God and the Holy Spirit has a plan. We pray, we believe to hear from heaven for you. The leadership of Celebration Life Church prays for you and prays for each other and prays for our country. We believe God for this city, for change. We believe God for you to be steadfast and unmovable and just loving God and the joy of your salvation filling your life. And so when we are praying and believing God for for our meetings and the times that we gather together, it's no surprise that the Holy Spirit works together all things. And so here we are seeing that all things have come together. This scripture that God put on my heart and just really the sum of this day, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 9. For to this end also did I write that you might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. Powerful. And this is why, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Satan wants to shake us and sift us like weak so that when troubles come, we don't have the faith to stand up and point at a storm and say, peace, be still. We don't have the faith because we've been shaking in our inner man when the doctor comes and he gives us a report that is devastating and it shakes us at our very core because we don't know how to handle those words. I've had those words. My husband has had those words come to our ears and, and I could tell you that I am glad I have the word of God in our foundation. We took captive those thoughts. We threw them down. It took time, but in time, his whole body is healed, and we thank God for it. Did we have to stand? Did we have to make a fight? Absolutely. But we stood on the word of God, and we refused to be shaken. And every time a thought came, we cast it down. And I'm telling you this morning, it's work. But faith without works is dead. But we don't most of the time talk about what faith works are. We think it's, it's going out and demonstrating that we've done something. Part of the faith work is casting down imaginations and deciding to believe God. How many people know it's, it would just be so easier to believe a, a doctor's words than God's? It's work. It's work. It's work to discipline your mind. That's why we don't have disciplined minds. It's why we're being shaken. Because we don't like the work of making our brains think. Mm-hmm. Right? It's work. It's work. And if you are fighting in your physical body, it's even greater work to struggle to think when you're in pain. I'm sure, Vijay, when he was in a lot of pain, it's hard to think the word of God when you're being attacked by pain in your body. It's work. But it's a good work. It's a good work. And forgiveness is so powerful. We forget its power. We forget its powerful work. I'm not saying that things have happened because you got into unforgiveness. Just don't let it get an edge. Because what happens when unforgiveness gets a root in your heart? When that thing gets down in there, it causes such doubt and unbelief. It separates you. It makes you unhappy inside. It creates a breach in the spirit. And if that breach is not shut, it gives the devil an opportunity 
opportunity to come rampaging through your life and your home. It's time to shut the door. It's time. We become just a soft, jellyfish type people, and that's not who we should be. Oh, this thing happened to me, and it's so bad. Yeah? Absolutely. Get down, get out, get back under my feet, and shut up. Amen? How come you talking to me? And then I thought, how come I'm listening? Hmm. Don't listen. Don't give him another moment of your time. My head is not for rent. How about you? Amen. He doesn't get to rent space in my brain. I am not going to meditate on his lies. I'm not going to let them in there. I refuse. I'm not going to let the opportunity to be offended take a place in my ears, in my mind, or in my heart. I will not give unforgiveness an inch or a millimeter. Amen. Amen. Don't let it in. It's your choice. It's your choice. Don't let it kick that thing to the curb. Amen. And if you are having trouble forgiving, do it like Paul did in the person of Christ. He forgave me. What right do I have to hold it against another? None. None. But the big problem isn't forgiveness. The big problem is obedience. You ever notice it says, take offense? Take offense. What they did was wrong. Yeah? And you've never done wrong? Don't take offense. Don't pull it in. It's your choice. Everybody's different. They won't do things the way you do. They won't say things the way you say them. If you don't understand them, ask them. Wouldn't that save you a million crazy thoughts in your head? You know what you said here? I didn't really understand that. Could you please explain that to me? I'm probably the one at fault here. It will change everything. Don't let Satan get an advantage with you. Don't give him an edge or a millimeter. Praise God. Part one. Learn to live. Learn to thrive. They come to the place. It's no big deal. You won't be shaking in your mind. You'll be steady. I hope you all learn this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be ye steadfast. You can learn it in your own uh, particular translation, but I learned it in King James, so that's the one I quote. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, that that will be your swan song. It'll be your non-shaken verse. And the next time the devil rattles your cage, you'll go, ha ha, no, 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 no. You don't get to play in my brain anymore. This is done. This is done. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. 
Father, I thank you that there's a new steadfast coming in your people, oh God. A new place of steadiness. A new place of firmness. That your word be solidly planted on the inside. That none of these things will move them. That that which moved them before is God. That those thoughts that were prevailing are cast to the ground. Today, I encourage every person listening or watching online or here present to take captive every thought. That they will begin to know like no other day who you are, who you have called us to be, and who we will live out in this earth. To your glory, in Jesus' name, everybody said, say, I am strong. strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that was kind of weak. Let me try that one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am unmovable. I am unmovable. Praise Jesus. Amen. And I pray for great wisdom that they will know Jesus every place the devil tries to put in a crowbar. That they'll realize it coming. That they'll see that strategy and won't give them a millimeter. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers their mind and gives them a loud voice. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W3B1. 